Crazy Diamond is based on the life of a woman living with bipolar disorder 1. It reflects her experiences with this mental disorder. The writer of this story has given me full access to share in hopes that it reaches those who need help and to bring awareness to the disorder. The writer wishes to remain anonymous. The content in Crazy Diamond may be triggering and we recommend the assistance of a medical professional for help and diagnosis. If you or anyone you may know is thinking about suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at one 800 Two seven three eight two five five. I'd been in this institution for five days, and I wasn't sure if I was getting better or worse. Today was Visitor's Day, and I was expecting both my parents to come see me and my so-called progress. I wasn't sure what to tell them. Should I apologize? I felt guilt, if nothing else. Extreme, unbelievably debilitating guilt, and it was all for the behavior I'd exhibited before I came here. I was beginning to see things in the cold, clear light of day rather than in the drunken stupors that used to invade my nights, and I could only imagine how insane I had acted in front of my mother and brother the night they called the ambulance on me. My little brother wasn't coming to see me. I didn't blame him for his absence, though. I only blamed myself and hoped one day that he would forgive me. Nurse David was here this morning, and he looked tired as usual, but kind as always. I had at last forgiven him for not allowing me to see my weight, and somehow I even understood it. He made his way over to me and observed my breakfast tray. Edith, you ate some of your food today. Good job. Dr. Navarra is ready to see you now. I looked down at my tray and realized I'd eaten both pieces of my toast and half of my omelet. I thought I would feel out of control and overall fat if I ate again, but instead I felt alert, warm, and full. It was a good feeling. I followed David to the doctor's room and he closed the door just as before so that Navara and I were alone. Edith, I heard you had a bit of a fainting spell last night, he said. Do you want to tell me about that? Maybe about what brought it on? I stumbled for words, remembering the child version of me who seemed to have been sending some kind of warning. And of course I recalled all the blood pooling around and threatening to drown me when I fell into it. I saw some things, and I don't know if they were really there or not, but I saw them, and I slipped and felt faint, I guess. I see, said the doctor, typing away on his computer. Bipolar disorder can cause hallucinations, of course. Does this happen often? It happens sometimes, not always. I hear voices too, I told him, although I recalled how the little girl last night had drowned them out somehow. I see. Well, this medication I have you on should be taking care of these symptoms soon. I would say maybe another three to four days and you'll be ready to leave this place. He stopped typing and looked up at me and smiled. He looked less sleepy today, and his round glasses magnified his brown eyes. Three to four days? Isn't that a bit soon? I asked, feeling suddenly fearful of leaving the inside of these white walls I first thought of as a prison. Perhaps I was beginning to feel like Farah and felt this place to be a sort of home I wasn't quite so ready to leave. Give the medication time. Dr. Navarra said, 
you'll find that it does work wonders. That will be all, my dear. He motioned toward the door, and I got up and went back out into the lunch area, where I found Claude, Candace, Farah, and Abner seated at one of the far-ended tables. I poured myself some coffee and sat with my newfound group of friends. Alfonso was seated at the end of the table, as usual, writing in a red notebook. Visitors coming in soon, I guess. None for me, Abner said, shuffling a deck of cards. None for me either, son, Farah said, nudging him and smirking. My family already knows I'm in here, she said. My parents are supposed to come. A nurse is supposed to accompany us while we talk, I said. Inform them of my progress, I suppose. What progress, I don't know. You don't feel like you've made any progress at all? Candace asked me, leaning forward in her chair. I thought about it, and realized that the shaking in my arms and hands had stopped, and I hadn't vomited at all today. I guessed that was some progress. I hadn't been sober for this long in months, and even the benzos couldn't keep me from seeing the world as clearly as I now saw it. Also, I was now coming to the conclusion that I had been wrong about being a seer, as I'd told everyone I was when I'd first gotten here. I guess I am starting to accept that I do have something mental going on with my brain that's a problem, I responded. Fuck that! Us bipolars, we gotta stick together. What we have makes us special, Claude said, wrapping an arm around me and reminding me she was seated directly beside me, as usual. Candace grimaced at her remark, but said nothing. Visiting hours start in five, one of the nurses called out from the desk behind us. I'm going to the music room. Ray's in there, but maybe he's actually listening to something good today. Abner, you coming? Farrah stood up from her chair. She was wearing a yellow robe today that was unfastened in the front and showed matching pink pajamas beneath, with white polka dots all over them. Abner winked at me and ran his hands through his black, unruly hair. He then followed Farah into the music room and left me, Candace, and Claude to ourselves. My boyfriend's coming to see me, Claude said happily, looking towards the hallway as if she was expecting him immediately to walk up to us. That's great, Claude, I said, and I too looked toward the hallway as I waited for my parents to walk into the institution. I was anxious and I didn't know how to even begin to explain to them how sorry I was that they'd had to resort to putting me in here. Suddenly, people began flooding in and walking to different tables and different people. I noticed my mother's face first, then my father's, as they walked behind a big crowd of the other visitors. Nurse David walked up to us when my parents reached me and advised that we go sit down in the lounge and talk. After I'd hugged the both of them, we left Candace and Claude behind as they waited for their own people. David took us to a solitary table in the lounge. My dad was looking around with wide eyes, almost as if he was alarmed. My mom was silent and seemed sad, and that made me sadder. So, Edith here has been a great patient. She's had some trouble with hallucinations, both auditory and physical, but Dr. Navarra has her on some great medication right now for bipolar disorder that will soon help her with her troubles, David said, as he read from a file with my name on the side. How do you feel? asked my mom. Her eyes were weary and she looked on the verge of tears. 
I feel better. I know I scared you, but I see now that I was out of control at that time, and I understand why I'm here now, I think. You think? <laughs> she said, sighing with irritation. Edith, you scared me out of my mind. You didn't know what was real or what wasn't when I committed you that night. How do I know you have any touch with reality now? I recalled my hallucination from the night before, and so I remained silent because I wasn't sure I did have a good idea of what reality was yet. David interjected. Like I said, Edith is on medicine that is going to help her with reality as she sees it. She will be able to tell what is real and what's not soon. Dr. Navarra says she could be ready for release as soon as three to four more days. She's doing well in our care, and I'm confident she will get much better within these next few days. My mom nodded, and she reached for my hand and held it tight in hers. I just want you better. I don't want you to hurt yourself anymore. I recalled the now-healed cuts on my legs and the deep imprint of pink scarring they'd left all over my thighs. I won't, I told her. My dad looked uncomfortable as he listened, and he didn't say a word the entire time we talked. When the session was over, they both got up and hugged me. Just get well, honey, my dad said, letting me go from the grip of our hug. And gain some weight. He looked me up and down, and I could see he was shocked by my size, since he hadn't seen me in a while before I'd been committed. We said our goodbyes, and they left shortly after, while Nurse David stayed seated at the table, closing my file. Is what you said really true? I asked him. Will I get better? You'll get better with the medicine and it also helps if you actually want to get better. Do you want to be back to normal, Edith? I mean, before the hallucinations and voices. He asked me this, and I thought about it for a while. It was almost as if I wanted to shake him and tell him I hadn't been lying, and that I was, in fact, a seer, and everyone just needed to believe me. Then I remembered the little girl from the night before and I remembered the alcohol that fueled my mania and had only heightened my senses when it came to the voices. Had I just been drunk and ill in my mind all this time before I came here? Yes, I said at last to him. Yes, I want to be okay. I want to be myself again, but I can't even remember who I was before all of this started. That's okay, he told me, standing from his chair. It will all come back to you. You'll see. You will be clear-headed and mindfully sound when you leave here. I can promise you that. He then went to the lounge door and exited after smiling at me reassuringly. I stood there staring at the door both my parents and David had walked out of. And then I looked around and saw all the other patients visiting with their families. I saw Candace at another table visiting with a brown-haired woman and I suddenly felt small and unnecessary in that big room. So I left and went into the music room. I found Farah and Abner seated on one of the sofas in there. Raziel was up and pacing back and forth beside the outside window while the radio played Rush's Tom Sawyer, and he muttered to himself like usual. Claude was in the corner talking to a man who looked to be in his early 40s. They were both seated on a single chair, and she was in his lap with her arms around his neck as she whispered in his ear. I sat next to Farah after she made room for me. How was your visit? Farah asked. Abner looked up and waited for my response patiently. 
It was fine, I guess. Nurse David says I'll be normal when I leave here. My parents seem to be pleased with that, I told her, and I watched Ray stop pacing and stare at me as we talked. My parents don't even know I'm here, Abner said, and he still had the deck of cards that he had in the lunchroom before and was shuffling them incessantly. I wouldn't want those fuckers here anyway. Besides, I'm an outlaw. No one needs to know where I am. Farah rolled her eyes and said, What do you mean you're an outlaw? Abner chuckled and looked around like he was trying to be inconspicuous. I'm on the run. There's a warrant out for my arrest right now. I came here to take a breather, that's all. But I'm crazy, all right. Crazy as a loon. Like I said, I'm schizophrenic. I didn't know what to say when he told me this. Instead, I remained silent and thought, could he really be on the run? Was Dr. Navarra really saying he was schizophrenic? Suddenly, I decided not to believe just everything Abner told me. Well, my family wants to come here, but I've told them no. I don't want them seeing me in this state, even if it isn't at all that much worse than seeing me cooped up inside my house and afraid to face the world, Farrah said, and she took the cards from Abner and began shuffling them herself. I don't know how to play any games with these, she said. Where are the Uno cards? They're out in the lunchroom on the table. We all three looked up and realized that Ray had spoken to us and had actually made sense. Well, thanks, Ray, I said, trying not to focus on his still bruised forehead. Shine on you, crazy diamond, he said, turning and facing the window. He looked down and then so high up it was like he was trying to see heaven. I watched him throughout this episode, not knowing what he must be looking at and only wondering what he must be looking for.